Welcome, everybody, to another podcast, uh, Optimal Bio, and we are excited to have, uh, for the second time, uh, Dr. David Brownstein, um, who has written a book about viruses, um, and part of his book covers COVID, and uh, the title is A Holistic Approach to Viruses. Uh, if you have any interest in getting his book after uh, our podcast today, we'll certainly you can contact the office and we'll send you the appropriate information. Um, and fortunately, David's uh, uh, overworked staff will get out a, a book to you as fast as possible. Um, so on that note, uh, welcome, Dr. Brownstein. Hey, thanks for having me. So you wrote another book. You've written many so far. And uh, what um, uh, spurred you on to write this one? Well... You know, um, what really spurred me on was when I got censored by the FTC, and I found out since I wasn't blogging a couple times a week, which is what I was doing about COVID and writing about our success in using natural therapies to help people's immune systems strengthen up and recover from COVID, you know, just as the same thing that's happened in our practice for the last 28 years or so, um, I had more time on my hands. So I, you know, I got censored, took my website down, couldn't blog about it, and immediately started writing that book. Because what I realized when I consulted a First Amendment attorney was that books have First Amendment protection, but we don't. Um, so, you know, what you learn in elementary school isn't quite true. Um, the First Amendment doesn't protect us, and certainly in this time and age, doesn't protect doctors who, who, who are trying to talk about COVID and trying to you know, discuss whether the vaccine is safe and effective or discuss therapies for COVID. You just can't do it these days. You know, they, they just don't allow you to. So Dr. Brownstein, I, uh, we, had to, we could spend hours talking about the first amendment being destroyed. But the thing that I blew my, my mind away was your thought process on that your body, the immune system being stronger, we're exposed to viruses and bacteria and fungus every day. It's who gets sick. And the ones who get sick are those who are weak. I believe the Pasteur, Deepachamp um, debate is full and alive today. Um, even Pasteur said it, it's, the, it's, the, it's the terrain, even his dad, on his deathbed, that it's not really these viruses and bacteria in the sense of, because they're always there. And what I love about your book was how clear and concise it was. It wasn't, it just walked through the science. And then you have, I, I read your peer review study. It, you walked through, I think 107 patients in a row. I know it's higher than that now, showing what you've done. So you have actually statistics showing benefits with uh, zero deaths of the correct. So I, and when Jim gets us through these answers here, I go these question and answer. I just want people to read the book because you don't need to be a doctor to read it. In fact, you, you, you write a book very well it's great for doctors and scientists, but it's great for the layman per as well. You're, you're empowering people to question, to question. And I love that. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I've always felt um, when I started writing that if you don't know what I'm saying, either I don't know what I'm talking about or uh, I'm, I'm stretching. And so I only write what I know works. I only write about my experiences. And, you know, just as I was posting about Corona, you know, online, I'm just writing about what works and what doesn't work. Um, this book is what works and what doesn't work. And, um, you know, this therapy has been used for over two decades in my practice. And um, this protocol works. And, you know, it's, we didn't use 
hydroxychloroquine. We didn't use ivermectin. Um, not that I don't think doctors should be able to use that off-label. They should be able to use it. We've been able to prescribe off-label for forever. 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 Um, all of a sudden now we can't prescribe off-label, even though there's good studies that show ivermectin especially and hydroxychloroquine, you know, have efficacy. But, you know, to your point about the immune system, there's no, there's no antibiotic that cures any infection. What the antibiotics do is they lower the load of the bacteria or the antivirals lower the load of the viruses. And then the immune system does the job of cleaning it up at the end. And in the case of coronavirus, it's the same thing. It's, there's this vaccine is not gonna cure coronavirus. What's gonna cure coronavirus is when we get herd immunity, it's not a cure, but when we get herd immunity and we, and we control it and our immune systems, you know, neutralize and get rid of the virus. And that, that's, how, that's how things work. So- And, and Dr. Rousey, real quick on that. I want people to understand this word herd immunity because people are using this phrase that a vaccine will make herd immunity. That is completely fabrication. Herd immunity is when a virus is done naturally in the environment and naturally the stronger get it and protect the weaker. There was actually a paper in 1953 that some mathematicians in Baltimore were hypothetically thinking what a measles vaccine would do. How many would you have to do uh, hypothetically if a vaccine worked as the natural immune system? And that's why I want people to understand a vaccine, no matter if mRNA, uh, the, the standard, because this is not a vaccine, as you know, it's a gene operating system, the mRNA one, but a vaccine done with a, a, a virus or an antivirus or a particle virus does not do herd immunity. It's healthy people getting this and then making the, the population um, protect the sick because we have herd immunity that, that way, not a vaccine. No, it's, that's true. But, you know, the other side of that coin is that um, let's, let's just, Let's just say the vaccine works okay. and decreases the risk of, you know, transmissibility and infectivity of coronavirus. Well, this vaccine is only going to work if someone has a strong immune system that can respond appropriately to the vaccine. So this virus, what's happened with COVID-19 and whether we have 400,000 dead or 500,000 dead, that's up for discussion. The numbers are probably elevated, but we've had a significant number of deaths from this thing and I'm not minimizing it. I've treated between me and my partners over 250 patients and um, it's a serious illness and it, it's different than the flu and it's different than other things that I've seen. Um, but you know, even with the vaccine, you've got to have a strong immune system for, yep. for the immune system to respond to the vaccine. So this, this, this Corona, SARS-CoV-2, what's happened to us is it's, it's slapping us in the face, telling us you guys are not, are not healthy. And this is why our country per capita has had more dead than anywhere else around the world. We've been decimated by this. And yet we spend 20% of our GNP on healthcare, more than any other country on the face of the earth by far. And what do we get for our buck? You know, we, we get nailed with coronavirus when second and third world countries aren't getting hit as hard as we're getting hit. Um, this is a disaster, no matter which way you look at it. When the postmortem is written on this a couple of years from now, it's going to be an ugly read. And, you know, this, this um, celebration on the vaccine is beyond me. You know, while, we're, while we were told there's no therapies available, there's nothing you can do except wear a mask, hide in your basement, and social distance, 
um, tens to hundreds of thousands of people were getting sick and dying from this illness. And there were therapies available. Yeah. Holistic doctors knew there were therapies available and the therapies didn't treat COVID, SARS-CoV-2. They treat the immune system. They strengthen it up so people get sick with any viral illness or any bacterial illness. The immune system should go into action and neutralize and remove it. And that's how we've survived for eons of time. And, um, you know, the last chapter of my book, I titled it, um, um, This is Our Wake-Up Call. And I almost titled the book that, that title, This is Our Wake-Up Call. And, um, the, you know, if you look at the WHO statistics on health and comparing us to other Western countries, guess who finishes last in every single indicator and second to last on one of them. But from maternal mortality during birth to neonatal mortality to longevity to chronic illness, we finished last, dead last, compared to every Western country out there. Yet we spend more than twofold higher our GMP than nearly every Western country out there. This is a disaster. It's a it's a failure of epic proportions of our healthcare system, and the heads should be rolling from the highest levels of the CDC, the FDA, and HHS. And um, yet here we are with you know business as usual. We spend billions and billions of dollars, you know. And the vaccine's the only way out of this mess. That's not, not even true. We were getting close to herd immunity before these vaccines came on board. And you know what? I hope the vaccines work. I hope they're safe and effective. And I hope they push us to herd immunity faster. But we're going to get there either way. Um, and it's coming soon. Okay. So lesson learned from me. Never accidentally hit your mute button. So when I'm trying to talk, you guys go off on and into this runaway train at this point in time. So let's bring it back a little bit. And let's just simply... Talk about the uh, innate uh, versus adaptive uh, immune systems and maybe just a quick one-on-one on viruses. There's so much misinformation and confusion out, confusion out there on SARS-CoV-2 compared to you know, the earlier SARS viruses and so on and so forth. So can you give us a little tutorial on those immune system differentials and also the viruses? So the, the innate immune system is... Um, you know, the white blood cells, the, the first line of defense are, you know, when, when we get exposed to viruses, it comes in orally or nasally, you know, it's a, it's a mucosal invasion. So it binds to some receptors somewhere in the mucosa. In the case of uh, SARS-CoV-2, it binds to the ACE2 receptors, and then it gains access, you know, to the rest of the body and, you know, starts replicating and causing its problems. Um, so the first thing that has to happen is the innate immune system should go into gear and sound the alarm, you know, a foreign invader is here. Um, we need to marshal the white blood cells. We need to marshal, you know, the, the ability of these white blood cells to engulf and destroy this foreign invader. And, you know, the innate immune system has the ability to activate the um, adaptive immune system. And, you know, the innate immune system, I sort of look at as the, the, the army and, you know, the you know, the, the ground soldiers, you know, trying to, you know, encircle and destroy whatever is invading the body. But not only being the army and, and you know, the soldiers, it, it also coordinates the attack with the adaptive immune system. The adaptive immune system is, you know, your T and B cells that um, they're produced in the thymus gland and the spleen and the lymph system. And these things you know, recognize that it's a foreign invader and they tag it, you know, with antibodies or, and they, and they get memory and they, they sort of remember, 
what this thing is. And then they go into action to work with the innate immune system to fight this thing. And if everything goes well, you know, the, the infection is overwhelmed by our innate and adaptive immune systems. Um, we get memory in our T and B cells that we know what this thing is. So if we're exposed to it again, we can produce antibodies and other substances to, to fight it back before it gains another foothold. And we should have lifelong immunity to it. I mean, that's how things have worked from eons of time, from measles and chickenpox and um, you know, all the other viral illnesses that kids get. And all of a sudden with this thing, you know, we're told things are different, you know, it, uh, you know, we, we, we can't fight this back. You just, there's no therapies available. And, you know, that, that has not been my experience with it. When um, this was coming about, you're huddling with your team, you came up with some, some remedies, I guess you could say, or some treatment options that um, obviously were not conventional uh, from a traditional medical sense. You know, you weren't pumping $5,000 a month drugs into people. You're using, uh, you know, hydrogen peroxide, ozone, um, vitamin C infusions, and so on and so forth. Can you walk us through how you made those decisions to, you know, treat, you know, your patients that way? Well, so the first report of an atypical, atypical pneumonia in I believe was four patients in China, the end of December to 2019. And it was, a, it was a novel coronavirus. So I watched that from the moment it was reported from China. I watched every single report that came out after that. And if you recall that um, China went into full, you know, major lockdown and, you know, they closed cities down and, you know, people huddled in their houses. And we don't know how bad it was in China because they didn't report it, but you know, I think Italy was, you know, next on the hit list and, you know, Italy was a disaster. You know, there were, they were dying left and right as soon as they got admitted to the hospital and ventilated. And so it was only a matter of time till it came to the U.S. And, you know, Italy, I think was January and February. And, um, you know, I, I recall vividly as February was going on, you know, the headlines in the paper were dire. The modeling out of England said there's going to be 3 million deaths in the U.S. by the end of the year from this. And, you know, the CDC was inept and wasn't giving us advice. And, you know, it, it, it was a mess. So the headlines from the media were terrible. We were expecting, you know, mountains of dead people piled up everywhere. And, you know, how are we going to get out of this? And this could destroy our country. And we all remember it. I mean, it was all negative, negative, negative. Well, in my office, I could feel the tension. Every, everyone was stressed. You know, I have you know, I've been practicing close to 30 years. So my staff has somehow gotten older with me. I have an older staff now. Um, so they're worried because, you know, out of the reports out of Italy and some of the other countries where the older you are, the more risk you have. Um, and, you know, we were all seeing those reports of those bodies, you know, going to the freezer trucks in Italy and piling up and all that stuff. Um, so I had a meeting with my staff at the end of February and I said, um, it's, only, it's coming. It was already in California at that time and um, Seattle. And I said, it's coming across the country, you know, but I said, we're well positioned for this. We've, we've been doing the same treatment, you know, an, an oral vitamin regimen and hydrogen peroxide nebulizing and iodine nebulizing and, you know, IVs of vitamin C and peroxide and um, ozone. I said, we've been doing the same treatment with little tweaks as we learn new things for 28 years. Our patients didn't get sick, didn't get hospitalized, 
didn't die at anywhere near the rates reported by the CDC over these 28 years. You know, there's 20 to 80,000 deaths average per year during the flu season from the flu or flu-like illness. Didn't happen in our office. We, you know, if, if 20 to 80,000 per year times close to 30 years is a lot of people, we should have seen our share of patients dying from it. We just didn't um, because we were supporting their immune system up. And if they got sick, they would, their immune system, the uh, innate and adaptive immune systems would go into gear. They would have the raw materials available to them. They would neutralize and remove the pathogen. Um, so I told the staff at that meeting at the end of February, we're well positioned for this. I can't guarantee anything because I haven't treated this virus because it's a new one. But I said, we've treated other coronaviruses, undoubtedly, even though you know, we didn't test for it because 30% of flu-like illnesses are, all, are coronaviruses on average per year, but there was really no test for them. Um, so I said, we're, we're, we'll take care of you. You know, we're, we're going to get through this. And I said, and we're not closing the office. You know, there was at that meeting, a, a few of the staff members wanted to close the office. They were scared. And I said to anyone, you don't have to work through this. If, if you're scared, your job will not be lost. No re repercussions. I said, but I'm working through this. And I said, this is what I went to med school for. So what I took the oath for. And I said, this, I remember telling him the end of February, this is our time to shine. We have therapies for this. We have therapies for a viral infection. It's not specific to COVID, but it's specific for the immune systems. And um, so I said, if nobody wants to work, I'll work, I'll do the IVs. Um, you know, I'll see what I can see until either I can't work or I get sick or something like that. But, you know, I'm working through it. So we had about half our staff stick with us. The other half was scared and stayed home. And, um, you know, we started seeing patients. And, the, you know, I was as scared as the rest of them. You know, I have a uh, 65 degree scoliotic curve with lung involvement. Um, you know, I, I have a, generally a low pulse ox. Um, just because I have, you know, a quarter of a lung on one side that's functional and I have severe asthma and I have an immune system disorder that 1% of the population has where I'm more, I, I have a tendency to get more viral infections than the average Joe. So I'm not the perfect person to be, to, to get something like this. Right. I was confident in our therapy and I thought it would help. And so we, we, we started seeing patients with it, you know, in Detroit area was one of the hot spots at the beginning, along with New York City, Massachusetts, and New Jersey. And you know, our hospitals were near full, you know, when it got to its peak in March and uh, April of 2020. And we were getting call after call, patients sick, they can't breathe, they're short of breath, you know. And so we started our therapy. And the therapy was um, the first sign of an illness, 50,000 units of vitamin A, not beta carotene, but vitamin A a day for I'm sorry, 100,000 units of vitamin A a day for four days, 50,000 units of vitamin D3 a day for four days, um, vitamin C, 1,000 milligrams an hour until you get bowel tolerance or you're sleeping, and iodine. If they weren't on iodine, 25 milligrams a day. If they're already taking iodine, which most of my patients were going into this, they just doubled the dose for four days. And then at the end of four days, they go back to the regular regimen, whatever they were doing. If they had trouble breathing, they were nebulized a dilute solution of hydrogen peroxide and iodine. And if that therapy didn't work or they needed more, we would have them come in in the parking lot and do IVs of vitamin C, hydrogen peroxide and ozone, ozone shots. And um, 
it was March and April in Michigan, which is still winter here. So we were, we had cars lined up at the end of the day, you know, around the corner of our office. And we took turns going out there. There was uh, me, one other doctor and, and uh, my PA and um, one nurse who were willing to do this. So it's snowing, it's sleeting, it's wind. It's, it's It was miserable, it's dark outside because sometimes and we're, one of us is holding our phone, you know, with a light on the vein so we can put the darn vein in or get the needle in the vein. And, you know, after about a week of doing this, we're getting called, not even after a week, after a few days of doing this, we're getting calls back. I can breathe again. I feel better. You know, breathing was the biggest thing. They were short of breath. And it took a couple days. Then a week into this, I remember saying to my partner, as we're going outside to do more IVs, you know, and we were working long hours, man. We were, I haven't worked that hard since I was a resident. Um, we, we, I told them, hey, Rick, I think we got this. Um, people's immune systems are responding to this just like they responded for the last 28 years to other viral illnesses. And so, you know, I started cataloging every patient and, you know, wrote a peer reviewed study of 107 uh, um, consecutive patients that we treated with it. We had two hospitalizations, no deaths. The two hospitalizations were actually good stories for us because one didn't take the stuff at the beginning and it was hospitalized. The other one didn't nebulize the peroxide and iodine, took the oral stuff. He got hospitalized and then he, um, he was sitting in the hospital. They weren't doing anything for him. Back then they really didn't have any therapies at all. And um, um, you know, he called me up and he was crying on the phone and said, I, I think they're gonna kill me here. I, they're not doing anything and I can't breathe. I said, you need to nebulize peroxide. He said, well, I'm on my way out the door. I'm, I'm just leaving because they're not doing anything. And I said, send your wife. And we got him a nebulizer and got the solution. And, um, you know, he got better on the second dose of the nebulizing. And so uh, to date, we've treated over 250 people. We're still doing our parking lot IVs. They're not as sick as they were back in March and April at all. It's not even close. And, um, you know, we've had very good success with it. And I was blogging about it and writing about it. And um, apparently you can't do that these days with COVID because there's no First Amendment protection to do that. So I was ordered to take down those posts or face, you know, uh, inquiries from the U.S. Justice Department, which I chose not to face those inquiries and took it all down. And then since I had time on my hands because I wasn't writing my blog posts, um, I wrote my book, you know, Holistic Approach to Viruses and put all the information in there. Because books have First Amendment protection, even though I don't. So that kind of takes us through to today of, you know, what we've done with it. So you're... You know, thinking on your feet, you're literally rolling out IVs in the snow and the dark and the rain and everything else. And, you know, people are sitting in their cars and you're you're helping them get better and you're blogging about it and they're censoring you um, or they're threatening to, you know, have the big guys come after you. Um, two questions. One for both of you. Um, with the. Uh, why is that? I mean, what are they so afraid of in reference to the treatments that you and other doctors are doing? Um, and, I, you know, we can probably going to end up going down a little bit of a deep hole here. But, you know, I've never in my life seen a situation in our country where um, there's a lot of doctors doing a lot of great work. And but it's 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 not, um, you know, what's recommended, I guess, is probably the nicest way of saying it. 
and you're immediately shut down or you're, you're, they threaten to, to take your license away. And, but at the same time, you know, if we, you did a, uh, a little mini uh, study, you know, 50 patients would show phenomenal results from your, from your treatment. So why is that? Well, I mean, the letter, the letter from the Federal Trade Communication said, because there's no prevention, treatment, or cure for COVID, any mention thereof, you're, you're at fault of federal law number, you know, it's a long number. And you either got, you have 48 hours to remove it or you're going to hear from the U.S. Justice Department. So when I wrote my study up, I was writing the study up in the middle of that when I got that. So, um, you know, we took all our stuff down. I did not feel like it was wise to fight the federal government. Took all the stuff down and then I wrote the study up and got the study peer reviewed. It went through three peer reviews and um, published. And so we sent a letter to the FTC asking them permission to publish the study that's peer reviewed and in, in the, you know, out there. And we would publish the study without comment. And the letter we got back was, it's not a randomized controlled trial. No. Well, this remember, this was like the beginning of April. There's no randomized controlled anything. It's a new virus. How do you randomize control it? And I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna randomize my patients to receive therapy or not therapy. They couldn't breathe. I mean, that's not ethical. And um, so, you know, we published it. I went to work on the book and you know published the book and hired a First Amendment lawyer to guide me. You know, what can I say? And what can I say? He basically said COVID's a different beast, and he advised me not to say anything on COVID. He said you can write the book. Book has protection. You don't. And he said. He just said it's a it's a it's an unprecedented time that we're experiencing. So what are they afraid of? I don't know. If, you know, from the beginning of this crisis, we were told there's no way out of this except for a vaccine. You know, they that's it. There was you know no therapy, no nothing, and they didn't really investigate anything. They didn't. You know, they were just hell bent on a vaccine, and that came from the highest levels of the government, including the president, the former president, who was touting his warp speed project. And you know, when he left office, he said, you know, one of his accomplishments was got this vaccine to market the fastest ever. Uh, is that an accomplishment when it hasn't been properly studied for safety and efficacy? I mean, I, I don't know. We'll find out because we're doing this grand experiment right now. Yeah, we're all in the middle of a phase three trial. Pardon me? We're all in the middle of a phase three trial right now. We're all in the middle of an experimental phase three trial. You're right. We'll see what happens. And we better hope what happens with this vaccine doesn't it didn't happen with the animals that got the coronavirus vaccine five years ago, and I believe the others the other two studies were six and ten years ago, because they didn't do so well after the vaccine when they were re-exposed to coronavirus. But we'll see. Well, that's important to understand there because in the animal studies, they're using ferrets because the ferrets' lung physiology is the closest to ours, and when they were exposed to the second a dose or the wild virus they had a between an 80 and hundred percent death rate on the ferrets because as you know, there's two, there's two uh, antibodies formed. You have the bonding or neutralizing antibody at the first exposure. Then you have the second non-neutralizing that is just sitting there waiting for a, when it's exposed to another vaccine or the wild virus type that has a paradoxical response. That's why the first studies out of Italy showed a 600% increase in death rate. For those people had a vax, the flu vaccine in 2018, 2019, of the paradox response, the, the cytokine storm. And that goes back to your whole, your whole premise, and I believe your fact, that when your vitamin D, your C, your immune system is prepared, vitamin D doesn't function. It keeps the dendritic cells in check, keeps the cytokine storm in check. 
um, uh, back to your, your study. No, uh, you said no uh, randomized study. Here's what's very frustrating with vaccines. There's not one single vaccine paper ever done with a placebo, never. But what they use as a control is another known vaccine, never with normal saline. So it even puts you at that, to, at that standard, a standard they don't meet. And you talk about this idea of being a phase three trial. That's why people understand they can't be forced to do this. Again, hope it works, but it's a new science. It's a gene therapy. The uh, AstraZeneca is a different one. That is not an MRI, our, uh, MRI one. But Jim, you asked something very, very, I think, astute at the very beginning. Why is this happening? And, and, and Dr. Brownstein had to hire a First Amendment attorney. And for those who don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm well trained in the Constitution. The preamble to the, to the Bill of Rights is stated to restrict the federal government. It says these restrictive declaratory statements are here so there'll be no misconstruction or abuse in the future. So the First Amendment is where the federal government cannot, cannot put their feet on. It's where Dr. Brownstein can say or do whatever he wants to do. I know it's been reversed because we have these, these, you know, these trial lawyers in charge, but it's very frustrating, Jim, because all Dr. Brownstein is trying to do is ask questions. And he has 30 years of experience of beating other viruses. Why should that be... Why should the, anybody in the government be afraid of that? They should be actually applauding him. And that's what's very frustrating, Jim. You know, I, um, I had a daughter who graduated medical school um, last uh, April or May. And because of COVID, it was a virtual experience. So we're all sitting in, at, at our living room, you know, with the computer out. And, you know, it was a nice, nice event. So the, the, so the dean is giving the lecture to the students and he's saying to them, don't be intimidated by other doctors. You're, you're gonna get your experience. You, we've taught you well. We think you're as qualified as anyone else to, in the practice of medicine. And you know, you're gonna learn, you know, learn your craft. And what he said was, it's really important for you to publicize what you find works and what you find doesn't work so other physicians can learn from you. And he said, so when you find something that's really working that people don't know about, you need to, you need to write it up and you need to publicize it. He goes, that's your task and that's part of being a doctor. And so I remember when that was coming out, remember that was April or May last year, I already got my FTC letter. You know, I muttered to the group, it was, you know, my mother was there and we had family members there watching this. I said, well, that's all true except for COVID. You know, you don't want to publicize that because, you know, you, all I was writing about was my experience in medicine. You know, I wasn't claiming a false cure for COVID. I wasn't claiming any cure for it. I'm saying supporting the immune system and these patients are doing well. Why shouldn't others try it? And that's how medicine has moved forward in the future. Right now, you know, we're not moving forward at all. We're, we're stuck in the mud. And I'm not quite sure how we get out of this because there's not enough doctors squawking about it. The only ones squawking about it are the holistic doctors. Um, so I'm not, I used to think the country was different. I used to think we were different and we, we, we wouldn't, um, you know, you know, being Jewish, one of the things you run into when you're in Hebrew school and you know Sunday school, you know you, they go through the Holocaust ad nauseum. You know, and I remember thinking, why would they all just go in those train cars? Why would they all just walk into the camps, walk into the crematoriums? You know, didn't put up a fight. And I think, and you know, you see what happens in other countries around the world, and you think, you know, we're different. We, we question things here. We're a little more cowboyish. We're a little more, you know we don't really follow rules unless we, the rules are explained to us why we're supposed to follow them. But after this, I don't know if we're any different or not. I think that, uh, 
you know, it's, it's pretty sad. And, you know, this, they use fear just like the Nazis used fear to control the Jews and the Germans and, you know, get the Germans motivated to do what they did. And, you know, here we are a year later in fear and our mortality numbers are horrendous. There's nothing, there's nothing to celebrate here. It's been a disaster um, of epic proportions. And um, we've locked ourselves down, we've masked ourselves up, we've social distance and what do we got to show for it? You know, their numbers are true. We got a half a million dead, <laughs> more than any other country out there. And, um, you know, per capita, it's just. Yeah, uh, and I always thought too uh, in the past, you know, was as, you know, society has progressed and we've, you know, uh, overcome various ailments and what have you that it was because doctors were experimenting, not in a negative sense, they were trying to kill these people that, you know, were afflicted with typhoid or whatever it was back in the old days. And, you know, other doctors read the notes, then suddenly there's a cure and, and so on and so forth. And it seems like with the whole COVID world, that's not, that practice has been thrown out the window for the most part. It's sad. I mean, there's nothing, nothing good about it. And there's nothing good going forward until we get out of this. And um, unfortunately, I don't think it's, I don't think it's gonna come from the medical profession. I think it's gotta come from the people. The people need to make their voices heard that we're tired of it. And um, my goodness, we, we've had you know, a, a lousy year. And um, you know, I, I hope this vaccine works. I hope it's safe and I hope it's effective, but we sure would have a lot less deaths, a lot less trauma, a lot less misery if we were a healthier population going into COVID and if we had supported our immune system up when this thing had hit. Um, and if the hospitals had given people vitamin C and vitamin D and iodine and vitamin A, because all these things settle down, as you mentioned, cytokine storm and you know the, all the inflammation that happens during these viral illnesses. And you know, if my patient, I'm, assume, I'm assuming my patients who had COVID are the same as anyone else's patients who had COVID, my patients responded the way they did. I don't know why yours wouldn't respond the way they did. So funny you mentioned, um, uh, not funny, but uh, the fact that a lot of these doctors aren't jumping on the bandwagon. They're, you know, either stuck, they're all stuck in their own little world. And a few weeks ago, my, my brother um, had thyroid surgery. Uh, he had thyroid cancer. They had to remove the thyroid. And yeah, I guess through aspiration, he ends up getting pneumonia. So he has to go to the hospital. And I'm in my middle seat on Southwest reading your book. And I'm seeing that, you know, some of the, um, uh, the IV treatments you mentioned before, the hydrogen peroxide, the C, and the, you know, maybe the ozone nebulizer, maybe something good that would help him with pneumonia as well. So uh, I called him when I landed, and I, I was trying to go see him, of course. I thought I could be the only person in the country that would be allowed to go into a hospital these days, um, but I was obviously wrong. I got, I got turned away. However, I said, hey, when next time the doctor comes in, can you mention you know, these three things? And the doctor, he does mention it to him. And the doctor says they have no vitamin C in the hospital. Um, they, uh, the hydrogen peroxide IV will kill you, direct quote, and um, they have no ozone. So to your point, I mean, there's nobody out there that's even these major medical centers, you know, aren't equipped to do anything. You know, if there's, if there's, Jim, if there's a time someone needs an IV of vitamin C, when they're in the hospital sick with pneumonia or some infection or some serious illness and their body's using up the vitamin C and makes them scurvy like just because the body's using it up at a fast rate because they're so sick that's the time they need nutritional uh, nutritional support and you know they don't get it and um 
you know, maybe someday it'll come, but, you know, look, we need a different system. It's not working. We're right. spending all this money. We, we got horrible rates of maternal mortality at birth to neonatal mortality to longevity and everything else in there, as I mentioned earlier. And, you know, we just throw more and more money at it. And, um, you know, nobody does anything. Republicans don't do anything. Democrats don't do anything. You know, this president's not doing anything different. The last president didn't do anything different along those lines. And um, it's got to be the people that finally speak up and say, we've had enough. Why are we spending so much? You know, what are well, we I doing? A, I, I think with the, the, the government part about it is, and uh, Jim knows you very well on this, but here's the problem with this. The Constitution has finite functions for the federal government. Healthcare is not one of them. So the problem, the answer is decentralization. So as more Dr. Brownsteins in the world can try different ways, decentralization leads to innovation. It leads to America. I believe America is a philosophy. I believe America is a verb, liberty is a verb. And you're right, it's being neutered. And I believe it's because of power and money. And the, the, I think the most important person, the king and queen are in the mirror. And with knowledge, they can, have, make, this, they can make decisions on their own. But they're trying to teach us that we don't know better because you're so-called experts. And I got a question for us, Dr. Brownstein. What if the experts are wrong? Who pays that price? Not the experts, but you and I. And because and I believe I'm just a normal schmo like these lovely people in America just trying to survive. So that's the frustrating part. So I believe there is a time and a place to say no and to and fight with the government in the sense of standing for liberty. And that's all I'm talking about is I believe medical liberty will break Democrats, Republicans, libertarians, I don't care what it is. There's no party involved in that. All we care about is being free and making our decisions. And I believe that this COVID is going to be the, the light at the end of this, Dr. Brownstein and Jim, is going to be people going to take responsibility because our metabolic health is crucial. And again, this is, the, this is the silver lining of this nightmare, is that we were not a healthy population. What can we do to change medicine, be preventive, not uh, give medicine when one's sick? COVID has certainly shined a spotlight on, you know, the health of the United States, and it ain't pretty what we're seeing. And um, either either we make changes, either the hospitals start researching and learning about vitamin C and learning about hydrogen peroxide that that kills you. I I don't I don't know where that comes from. Hydrogen peroxide, a dilute solution of hydrogen peroxide IV has been done since the. Uh, since uh, before World War II and in, uh, in the Indian War, uh, England was uh, you know, a colony of, and um, you know, the pneumonia death went down nearly 50% when he gave hydrogen peroxide IVs. I wrote about that in my book, my ozone book. And um, it's one of the safest IVs we do. It's a fabulous IV. There's lots of history with it. And um, look, there's lots of things in the hospital we give IV that kill people. And, um, you know, we keep doing it. And um, so question for you, are you seeing any flu patients this year, traditional flu? Because I'm on the CDC website and there's we have I think there were thankfully, if it's true, four flu deaths last week. And last year we had tens of thousands of flu deaths. So what's going on with that? Well, number one, we don't know because the everyone's being tested for COVID. But according to the CDC, um, they're, you know, when they test for, they use those same COVID swabs to test for influenza A and B, they're not seeing it. And they haven't seen it all year. You're right. The last, the last month they're reporting a few more. And 
you know, this has happened before when one virus, a new virus comes in and sort of crowds out the other viruses. So that, that's what happened this year. This, this, this SARS-CoV-2, um, you know, got a new population. They had no immunity to it and just took off. And um, it crowded out the other ones, I think, you know, but, you know, we're depending on the CDC for that data. And the CDC hasn't been the best here. You know, they were, they, they were caught lying and whether people who previously had COVID should get the vaccine, you know, when they said it did. And that congressman, I don't know where he's from, you know, recorded his phone calls with the CDC. And, you know, they apologized and said, you're right. You know, our, 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 our website is wrong where we're saying you should still get the vaccine if you've had COVID. And they said they corrected. He had three phone calls with them. They didn't correct it. Um, so, you know, there's that Latin term that lawyers use when you lie once, you're lying all the time. Right. I'm not a lawyer, so I can't recall it, but, you know, who knows right now? But, you know, I think that the SARS-CoV-2 did crowd out most of the influenzas. And I agree with you that if influenza A and B is coming back a little bit, that is probably a good sign that, you know, SARS-CoV-2 may be on its way out. And, you know, we'll see, you know, we, these variants that they're touting as, you know, more infectious, they don't know. I don't know either, but, you know, we're, we've got to come to a point when there's herd immunity and this thing settles down and it already is settling down because Kelly, after treating the first 107 patients when I wrote the paper, the virulence of SARS-CoV-2 was way different than it was after that. It really is not as virulent as it was March and April. There's no question, you know, when, and all viruses do that. They come in hard and fast. They kill off the weak and, you know, the old and the weak that, you know, that's what happens, unfortunately. But then they settle in. They don't want to kill all of us off. They kill all of us. It's going to die with us. They just want to, they just want to be endemic, part of our, you know, yearly thing, which is what we're going to have right now. This is going to come back next fall and winter. Um, and then the grand experiment, the, the phase three experiment that we're in right now, we'll see what happens with the vaccinated, you know, if hopefully they don't, hopefully what happens to these people is what doesn't, didn't happen. Hopefully they don't get the same result the animals got in those previous studies where when they were exposed to the virus, they got really sick after they were vaccinated. Um, well, I know Greg has been on top of uh, some of the vaccine adverse events um, from mostly Moderna and Pfizer at this point in time. You wanna to speak to that, Greg? Yeah. When you look at a couple of things also, the PCR testing, uh, Dr. Mullins, the guy who invented it, who passed away last September, he says you cannot use it because it's a positive negative test for infection purposes. As you know, the, the amplification, anything over uh, uh, 25 applications is 95%, 90% false positive. And we're using between 37 and 45 applications. So that's, that's also, we may have a, we have a disease of not knocking, there's not, not saying there's not COVID, but we may be over-diagnosing. Because remember, when it all started, Dr. Brownstein, it was death rate. Now it's case rate. That's completely different. Uh, back to the idea, the, the, when you read Moderna's website, they call it a, a, gene, a gene operating system. They don't call it a vaccine. And that's really important for people to understand. This, this is really taking our, gen, our, our, genet, our, our cellular um, mechanism to take a foreign messenger RNA to, use, to utilize our ribosomes and to form a spike protein that will continuously be made to prime, quote unquote, prime our immune system. Uh, University of Pennsylvania and Duke wrote a paper, they're very concerned about uh, 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 increasing all autoimmune diseases because we make this, this spike protein. 
Also, the spike protein doesn't attack synthetic blast, which we know about that. And people don't understand what a synthetic blast is. That's a placenta. So these are things that you talked about, uh, Dr. Brownstein, is the average vaccine is between 17 and 20 years before it hits the market. So this warp speed is actually, what, what's the benefit of that? You know, and we're throwing out, we're throwing out all the Nuremberg codes, we're throwing out all these things for a, for a, a virus. I know you've seen sick ones, but still over a 99% cure rate. So that's very frustrating to see this kind of battle against a virus that is nowhere near as deadly as they said it was going to be. And there's no real responsibility for that. So, Jim, when you talk about this, I want people to understand the messenger RNA virus, understand their, the Moderna study was 45 patients, the original study, that was it. And the original Pfizer study was 172 patients, and only eight people got the vaccine. The rest got placebo, uh, which were another, with the, they used the meningococcal vaccine. So, Jim, there's so much different data here, get very confused. That's why I think people are scared. You and I did a podcast November of 19, Jim. And we were talking about this, this new virus coming out of China. And you, the question was to me was, what can we do to help alleviate the fear? Use this fear as a positive. And we were not as obviously as advanced as Dr. Brownstein. We talked about vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and quercetin. Um, we also talked about some iodine, but not the nebulizer Dr. Brownstein did. And then you have a man who's done 28, 30 years of science on sick patients. He's rubber at the road. His is where he actually has to, he's not theoretically thinking, he's doing it and seeing results. And that to me is a frustrating part, Jim, is to articulate this message because he lost a platform to actually educate millions of people. And that's frustrating to me. So let's um, circle back because um, we know we're in a frustrating world at this point in time. And let's just focus a little bit on the benefits before we leave, we'll talk about A, we're going to talk about C, a little bit more, D, and then iodine. Iodine to me is probably the, the least, I'm least knowledgeable about iodine at this point in time. So if both of you can elaborate a little bit on just some of the benefits of the A's and the D's and the C's and the iodines for our audience, that would be great. Um, 28 years ago, when I decided I'm going to be a holistic doctor, um, flu season's coming around. There was nothing to treat people with. There was no Tamiflu, even though Tamiflu was no great shakes for regular flu. It doesn't work very well and should be pulled from the market anyway because it's toxic and causes flu-like symptoms. But there was no Tamiflu. There was no nothing. You you were told if you had the flu, you know, stay home. If your symptoms are better, you know, wash your hands, you know, whatever, you know, just symptomatic treatment. So. You know, I didn't want 20 to 80,000, my share of 20 to 80,000 deaths per year. And I thought, I've already seen the results of a little bit of holistic medicine I was doing on people's immune system. I started reading, you know, nutrients. What are they, you know, I'm finding people low on vitamin C, they're low on vitamin A, they're low, everyone's low on vitamin D. And 98% were low on iodine. Um, I started looking at the effects that these nutrients, what do these things do in the body? And, you know, Vitamin A has anti, you know, virucidal capabilities just on its own. Also supports the innate and the adaptive immune systems. Um, helps to decrease cytokine storm. You know, it's it's integral for you know proper functioning immune system. Vitamin D has a whole bunch of effects. You know that you know decreasing IL ten, you know IL six and TNF alpha. Um, um, 
iodine, the white blood cells can't fight infections without it, the innate immune system. They can't neutralize and remove a foreign body without enough iodine. Um, iodine also has virucidal and bactericidal effects to it, ACV. What did I forget? Vitamin C, you know, affects everywhere in the immune system. You know, you, you know, scurvy is uh, vitamin C deficiency. The immune system falls apart in scurvy. Um, so, you know, I started using that. The patients who, you know, at the first sign of the flu or cold or bronchitis or whatever the heck they got, you know, they would start taking this and they would report they were better quicker than they usually are. And they didn't get as sick. And, you know, they weren't hospitalized. They weren't developing pneumonia and they weren't dying. And so, you know, went on in my holistic career and, you know, learned about hydrogen peroxide and hydrogen peroxide is produced all over the body. It's produced by the white blood cells continually. Um, it's produced in the lungs at huge amounts. And peroxide is what, one of the things the white blood cells use to fight infections um, and to kill foreign invaders. And I had read some old research, some old case histories from the early 20th century on nebulizing hydrogen peroxide and nebulizing iodine for pneumonias and bronchitis and lung problems. And, you know, the case histories, the doctors were re meticulously reporting back then, their patients got better. So I started using peroxide nebulizing and, and, you know, look, the first patients to get any of these treatments were us, the, the doctors, you know, we were the first to try anything. You know, I'm not gonna do anything on a patient without trying it first. And, you know, we, you know, I looked at the different concentrations and decided this was the lowest concentration of peroxide I thought might work, which is 0.04%, which is very low. And I, you know, I'm, it had to be safe. I mean, it's not a lot of peroxide in there, but it was, it was an amazing therapy and it was an amazing therapy to add nebulized iodine to it. And then, you know, as we gathered more information, we started doing IVs of vitamin C and peroxide and, you know, ozone shots and IVs. We added that into therapy because all that helps out with you know, vitamin C's, you know, if you get vitamin C levels up high enough, it's, it's one of its main functions is to produce hydrogen peroxide in the white blood cells. That's how we think it works. So you were getting a double whammy with that. And, you know, these therapies worked and people didn't get a sick. They got better. They, they could tell, I mean, look, I can tell you when I got a cold, first thing that happened to me, I get asthma, you know, it was, it was horrible. I, mean, I had no immunoglobulin A. I get all these viral infections because I don't have mucosal, great mucosal immunity. And I'm in the wrong profession. You know, I'm exposed to sick people all the time. Oh, yeah. And so my, my Achilles was, I'd get a cold and I'd start asthma and severe asthma. And I would be on inhalers and steroids and had some ER visits. And, you know, it, it was miserable for me. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking, why did I go into this profession? I'm exposed to all these sick people. And then when I started cleaning up my diet and look, in this book I talk about, it's not just taking the supplements, it's holistic lifestyle. You, you eat a better diet. Sugar paralyzes your white blood cells for up to five hours. How are you going to get over an infection? You're eating a lot of sugar. You know, the white blood cells can't function. So it's cleaning up, you know, sugar out of the diet, getting refined carbohydrates out, eating a healthy diet free of hormones and pesticides, drinking water. You know, salt is really important. I, I have a book on salt. Um, you know, it's a, it's a whole holistic lifestyle. And when I did that to myself and got allergic foods out of my diet, my asthma pretty much goes away. I mean, I don't, I play tennis four days a week, hard tennis. I don't even use an inhaler anymore. I rarely take steroids for asthma. I mean, it just doesn't happen. And get a, I can get a cold now and get over it in a day where before 
be seven to 14 days. I, I would struggle with it because, you know, my breathing and the uh, immune system and, you know, lung function. And so we would try the therapies first and then we bring it out on the patients. And, you know, we didn't see negative effects. We saw positive effects. Some people it didn't help. Doesn't, nothing works for everybody. Vast majority did really well with it. And, you know, I did what the Dean told my daughter to do. I was reporting my, and that's why I've been writing my books, just reporting what works and what doesn't work. And I can tell you my 30 year experience is this stuff works. That's great. That's fantastic. Uh, Greg, do you have anything to add? No, I just, uh, I agree with everything he's, he's talking about. Our body is amazingly made and we give it the right substrates it needs. Um, like you talked about, you know, for thousands of years, we've done well. And um, we just got to get back to that. UNC wrote a paper, Jim, I think the summertime came out. Um, and Dr. Brownstein, it was said they had a 12% of Americans are metabolically healthy. 12%. That was their study. So, you know, nine out of 10 of us are extremely unhealthy and therefore are prone to infections. So I still don't understand what the fight's about because all we're doing is giving, um, is helping people out. Waiting for one magic bullet. My thing is if the magic bullet doesn't work, we're really in trouble. Let's make, let's get this, the body, the best it can possibly in, in this hostile environment. I don't have a magic bullet. I don't know what it is. You know, there's, there's no... There's no magic to anything. You're just trying to support the immune system using right. using the science, reading the science, looking at the biochemistry, especially. You know, I got a big biochemistry chart up on my wall over here that I look at all the time, trying to support that. And you know, like you said, it's the human body's made marvelously. We give it its basic raw materials, give it the support it needs. It can really do well for us yep. into old age, which it should do. And then you know, right now our biochemistry and our physiology is a disaster, and that's why we're suffering the ravages from, you know, an illness like COVID, which, you know, doesn't kill that high percentage of us, but it's killed enough of us and it's shining a light on how unhealthy we are. Well, you asked something very good because I also have a whiteboard, a big, bio, big biochemistry chart with all everything that they go. And in your book, you had a very good point. All medicines either block receptors or destroy enzymes. And, and let that think, let that sink in because that's stopping a one function. But when you have things that have multiple functions, like um, vitamin D affects 10% of our genome. If you stop, if you stop the precursor of that cholesterol, you affect all these other cascades. That's why it's really important to go back to our biochemistry to look at that roadmap to see if you block X or block Y, what is downstream. And therefore, I think it's great to look at the chemistry because therefore you then that's when you look at the A's, the C's, the D's, the iodine. I mean, you talked about iodine used for every single protein synthesis, every single white blood cell. You know what they do. There is no downside with these things. They're also, all there is is benefit. So I think there is a magic bullet. It's like, yeah, I think there is. And that's good health. Sleep, eat, exercise, and replace what our body needs is the best thing we can do. And we do that. We, we, we attack with a much better side for longevity and health span as well. I agree. So Greg, we're at that time of uh, the podcast now where uh, I'm going to ask both of you for your five takeaways or five best pieces of advice you can give our audience. And Greg, you can go first. Yeah, uh, my first is, is knowledge. And I really want people to, to read. So Dr. Brownstein's books are phenomenal. Uh, I think our, our, our website, our podcast, but don't be, a, don't be a seeker of knowledge, number one. Number two, we are what we eat. That's not a joke. We really are. 
good foods, we are where we exercise, uh, good sleep, and uh, replace what your, your innate immune system you're born with when given the right substrates and exposed and exposed to viruses and bacteria and, and, and um, funguses, then the adaptive system becomes stronger, it's like a muscle. So the, the, these, these, let's get out in the environment, let's give our body immune system to work, but it can be done, it can be done logically. But to me, the number one thing, Jim, is knowledge. Knowledge is truly power. Dr. B. Well, you know what? I, I would second all that, you know, by far. And just, you, you have to educate yourself. You know, unfortunately, too many doctors, you know, the vast majority of doctors know nothing about, very little about nutrition. Um, they don't know about functional biochemistry. Um, just as you asked uh, the doctor for your brother about vitamin C and peroxide, you got those answers, you know, the guy's never used vitamin C in his life, I'm sure, and never prescribed a vitamin C IV, never, you know, checked vitamin C levels, I'm guessing. Um, you know, how, how are you going to practice medicine if we don't support people's immune systems and support their bodies up? So, you know, do the basics for people, you know, and, and don't, don't fall into the fear category. You know, once you get knowledge, you won't be as afraid of things. Um, and, um, you know, I started writing books because I was spending too much time explaining to patients, you know, the intricacies of what I was thinking and doing. And I thought this would help them. And, you know, it helps me to put it into words because I understand it better. It helps them to read it. And knowledge is the king here. You know, if, if, if the CDC is right, you know, that there was nothing to do except hide in your basement and wait for a vaccine. Well, the, the end result is 500,000 dead. So the vaccine comes out. And I just don't think that's the case. I think there were therapies out there. I think, you know, my protocol was working for our patients. You know, Dr. Um, the guy in New York, um, oh, I can't think of his name. He was, he was promoting um, hydroxychloroquine for his population in uh, you know, a small conclave in New York that he was taking care of and saying the success rate he's had using hydroxychloroquine and Zithromax you know, for his COVID patients. Well, look, I saw his video, either he's lying or he's reporting what he's seeing. And he certainly looked reasonable to me. Why weren't we studying that? You know, why weren't we studying my protocol? Why weren't we studying his protocol? You know, um, ivermectin, there's, there's lots of worldwide research with it. I mean, the research of ivermectin is pretty darn good. When you look behind it, why aren't we studying that? You know, so I think that this is a, um, COVID is a roadmap of what not to do in the future. And, you know, you, you, it's important for people to educate themselves so they can take their healthcare into their own hands and, you know, partner up with a healthcare provider, a holistic healthcare provider will work with you. You know, I always tell my patients, you know, you're driving a car. I'm just on the side of the street yelling, go left, go right, go straight. Let's work together here. You know, I'm not, I don't have all the answers and, you know, we'll, we'll work together and this is a partnership. That's what healthcare, that's what your relationship with your physician should be like. Um, great advice from both of you. And I would encourage everybody to buy uh, a holistic approach to viruses by Dr. David Brownstein. Dr. Brownstein, thank you again for coming on today. Um, all our best to you, your practice, your family. And uh, we look forward to continue, hopefully, reading some great books down the road. And uh, 
if your time schedule permits in the future, we'd love to have you on again. Thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Thank you, doctor. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. I'll see you, Greg. Thank you.